0: Hello and welcome to Turning a Million Eyes to Save Lives, a podcast co-production of Innocence at Risk and Studio C. Innocence at Risk is a 501c3 nonprofit founded in 2005 to fight child exploitation and human trafficking. Our mission is to educate citizens about the grave issue of global and local human trafficking. We are dedicated to protecting children from all forms of abuse and work to end child exploitation and child trafficking everywhere. Innocence at Risk conducts educational outreach programs through churches, clubs, organizations, schools, embassies, and now this podcast. On this episode, we hear from Michael Kamal who currently serves as senior advisor at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign, the department's national public awareness campaign to combat human trafficking. In this role, Michael leads the Blue Lightning Initiative, BLI, to address human trafficking within the aviation industry. Under his leadership, BLI has tripled in size and expanded its reach to airports, aviation businesses, and the general aviation community. BLI has trained over 200,000 aviation staff on trafficking indicators and how to report the crime. Michael also supports the newly established DHS Center for Countering Human Trafficking, CCHT, where he coordinates across 16 DHS components to further support the department's domestic anti-trafficking mission. In collaboration with the U.S. Department of State, Michael engages foreign officials on public awareness, instituting a victim-centered approach, and makes recommendations on how foreign governments can improve their laws and strategies for combating human trafficking. Michael has been with DHS for five years. He's originally from New Jersey and holds a bachelor's degree in sociology with a concentration in criminal justice from the University of Rhode Island. Innocence at Risk founder and director Deborah Sigmund recently spoke to Michael over Zoom.
1: Thank you, Andy. And welcome, Michael. I'm so glad you're here today with Innocence at Risk and with Studio C. The reason that um, these podcasts began is something that I believe I've discussed with you pertains definitely to Homeland Security Blue Lightning and you've been an excellent partner. So for those of you listening, um, we've had, Innocence at Risk has had two previous podcasts directly about the flight attendant initiative, which Innocence at Risk began in 2008 with a senior flight attendant and it expanded as flight attendants were training each other. So after a year, We were overwhelmed with getting back to them and giving them the correct protocol to call and report a situation. At that point, we were using the national hotline number. And we were getting through and calls were being uh, responded to, planes were being met and fortunately lives were being saved. But it wasn't really until the following year when fortunately was at a meeting with Homeland Security with ICE and CBP. And I announced that Innocent at Risk was working with flight attendants. And it been was really a big breakthrough because flight attendants were, they are the first line of defense. They see things on the planes and in the airports and even in their daily work at malls, they would report to me or report back to the national hotline number. So it was, was truly amazing. So Homeland Security at that point, CBP and ICE were ecstatic that we had this initiative. Anxious to meet us and we did right away. And soon within several months, the correct protocol was changed from calling Homeland Security's number to asking the pilot to call ahead to Homeland Security and the DHS number. This was blue lightning initially in 2009, and the information is basically the same. It's been modified, but this is blue lightning today with the same hotline number. 8663472423 that we use today fledington it's use this the ones that have been trained and fortunately blue lightning because of michael has been expanding the training and we're very glad about that because we've certainly heard situations in the last 2 years i'm sure a lot of it is Directly related to COVID, the lockdown, flights were overwhelmed. Uh, but in 2014, Congress uh, put in force and put in forth an act that the airlines were required to train their employees, all of them. And we have seen, unfortunately innocent at risk, airline ambassadors and other partners, that this is not really happening the way it should because a lot of cases are slipping through the cracks. And I know of two cases that fortunately, they were passengers that knew the protocol and they knew that the flight attendant was supposed to call and ask for the pilot to call DHS when they didn't respond and then did not do their job, thinking that it was truly not a situation that they needed to respond, which was clearly wrong because we've learned from DHS, Homeland Security, Blue Lightning, please ask the flight attendants, the gate agents, anyone, just report it. Just report it to Homeland Security, to ICE, giving them the number, giving them, report this. We, and every airport, their ICE agents, or CBP agents, FBI as well, they all work together. So when these flight attendants take it upon themselves to think that they know more than Homeland Security, to us, it's totally alarming. And that's one reason that we started this podcast which is turning a million eyes to save lives, because we know when passengers who are trained, seasoned travelers, to see something, report it to DHS, lives are being saved. There was a situation this past January. Fortunately, it was a colleague traveling late at night from Charlotte to Atlanta on Delta. There was a situation my colleague saw getting on. She was a member for both members of Voices Against Trafficking. And this is an excellent example of how partnerships work because Lisa had heard me speak about the flight attendant initiative and now working with Homeland Security with Blue Lightning and with Michael directly She'd heard me speak and she had the number with her. So she knew enough when the gate agent did not respond to this man who was clearly not a father to this baby, nine month old baby. He didn't have enough uh, baby material with him. He didn't have anything really. He didn't have a stroller. Later on, she went to the baggage claim to make certain he never showed up. So it was clearly a situation where he was delivering a baby. So Lisa was very upset. She got on the plane and talked to the flight attendant. The flight attendant had initially thought something was wrong. She said, yeah, I know, I saw that. And so Lisa said, okay, will you please report it? She said, well, I'm gonna get some more information from him. It's exactly what you should never do. And it's not your job. If you're a passenger or if you're a flight attendant, please just report it. It's so easy for DHS to meet the plane or somehow they have eyes on that situation. We don't always know what happens. And this drives the flight attendants crazy because they wanna know right then and there. And I get calls all the time, well, I reported it, but I don't know what happened because I didn't see anything. So you reported it, that's all you need to do. So I, it's overwhelming sometimes, but there are cases when in this case, like Lisa knew what to do. She's not even a flight attendant. She's just a concerned citizen and she helps with fighting trafficking and she knew how to report it. And DHS did follow up but that's all she was told. I said, that's okay. At least they knew. And I'm sure that baby was safe, is safe. So I'm so grateful that you're here today so we can hear directly from you, Michael, who you run Blue Lightning. So thank you for being here again. And I'm going to let you talk to our guest.
2: Well, thank you so much for inviting me to speak on the podcast. And Some of the things you were talking about, some of the things that Innocence at Risk and and other NGOs were doing was advocating for human trafficking uh, long, long ago. And for those that are unaware, the Blue Campaign is a national public awareness campaign to combat human trafficking uh, led by the Department of Homeland Security. And so we actually started in 2010, uh, which is a couple of years after Deborah um, and her team started doing the advocacy work. Um, An element of the Blue Campaign you've heard Deborah talk about, it's called the Blue Lightning Initiative, Uh, and this is specifically geared towards training the aviation industry on what the indicators of human trafficking are. Uh, So you heard Deborah talk about a couple indicators, and I can get into a little bit later, Uh, but the main goal that we have is we want to educate as many people as possible, uh, specifically aviation staff, because they are interacting with the traveling public in a somewhat controlled environment. Uh, And a lot of these indicators are very subtle, uh, but they're in plain view. Um, So it's not like what you see on the movies most of the time. The indicators are very, like I said, very subtle. Um, It could be, victims can be anyone. They can be any age, race, gender, ethnicity, background. The same thing goes with traffickers. Traffickers aren't just uh, burly men, could be females, could be uh, uh, international people, could be U.S. citizens. And so Uh, part of what the blue campaign does is we break down those myths and misconceptions and we educate people on what this crime actually looks like Um, right now the blue lightning initiative has 97 partners we're approaching 100 which is incredible Uh, we've got a significant amount of support from the aviation industry not only are they training their staff but they're focusing on public awareness as well so they're putting up uh, graphics in the airports Um, Some of our airport partners, one example is Tucson Airport, they recently implemented uh, bathroom signage. Um, So they're putting up public awareness signage in the bathroom so that maybe a potential victim can see that uh, and get resources, get help. Um, Most of the time, when when our team works with survivors of human trafficking who have lived through this terrible thing, uh, one of the things that they tell us is that most of them are not actively seeking help in public. Uh, a lot of them don't even necessarily know that they're a victim. Uh, so it's really up to us to know what those red flags and indicators are, and it's up to us to also uh, be vigilant and to be proactive. Uh, I'm going to talk about four indicators that you can look out for, and this is specific to transportation and aviation industry. However, like Deborah said, it's not just the aviation people that can see some of this stuff going on. Uh, it's members of the public. It's, it's um, community members. Like These are signs that really anyone can see. So the first indicator here is uh, someone who's not in control of their own passport or identity documents. So this is a huge one because um, if it looks like one person is controlling the documents for a group of individuals or for one person who look like they can control it themselves, definitely something to look out for. Especially if you're a customer service agent, if you're a ticket agent, you're you're processing a a flight going international. be on the lookout for that. It's very subtle, uh, but but a lot of traffickers like to have complete and total control over their victims. So they're likely going to be holding on to their uh, important documents as another element of control. Uh, the one thing I'll caveat this is that some traffickers uh, will travel with their victims and other tra- victims will travel alone. Uh, it's not just the physical presence that these traffickers have, uh, it's psychological coercion as well. So We've had traffickers who would threaten victims send pictures of the children of the victim's children's bus stop and say, hey, I know where your kids live. If you don't go to this place, I'm going to I'm going to hurt them. Uh, And that just puts things into a a completely different perspective. Uh, So I talked about no control of passport and visa documents. The other one is no freedom of movement. Um, So if someone's movement is closely monitored, if the trafficker is traveling with the victim, that can definitely be an indicator as well. Uh, We've heard from survivors that sometimes uh, traffickers will follow them to and from the restroom. Uh, That can be something that not only a flight attendant could see, but also a custodian, uh, janitor, um, uh, uh, a store clerk, really anyone. Uh, If it doesn't look like someone has the freedom to go from point A to point B, uh, definitely uh, a red flag. Uh, The third one is probably one of the um, most Alarming red flags, probably the easiest to detect, uh, because it's illogical travel plans. And so when I say illogical travel plans, I mean when someone doesn't necessarily know uh, where they're going. So we've had instances where victims uh, would go to the airport, and they don't know um, what destination they're going, or if they know what destination they're going, they don't know who they're meeting on the other end. Uh, We've had situations where people thought they were going to get a sweet modeling gig in a a foreign country or somewhere here in the U.S., but they didn't know who they were meeting on the other end. Um, And that's a huge red flag. They don't know anything about payment. Um, A lot of times that could result into a trafficking situation. And I'll give you a prime example right here. Uh, One of the survivors we worked with, uh, before she was a victim, she uh, told us a story about how uh, the would-be trafficker or the person who eventually became her trafficker uh, gave her, um, told her that she was going to be flying to Florida for a great party. She was going to party with her friends, have a great time, go on yachts. Uh, sounds like a great time, honestly. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Um, but what she didn't know is that this trafficker didn't purchase a ticket for her to go to Miami. He purchased a ticket for her to go to New York. Um, but she didn't know this until she got to the airport. So she's checking in at the airport. She's like, okay, like I've got my, my guy. He, he booked me a ticket. Uh, ticket counter agent looks it up and says, okay, like I've got you on a one-way ticket here to New York. And her look of, of disbelief, she was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean I'm going to New York? I thought I was going to Miami. That right there should be a, a huge red flag indicator that the ticket counter agent could have seen and could have reported. Unfortunately, yeah. at that time, it, it wasn't reported. So that was a missed opportunity. But that's exactly why we're doing the training that we do Um, when you go to an airport, you know where you're going for the most part, especially if it's an international trip Uh, so illogical travel plans is a huge indicator Uh, and then the last one here that often gets construed. um, And you'll see a lot of media articles about this it's definitely an indicator, but I want to be clear about it, and this last indicator I'm going to talk about is a non-genuine relationship that's particularly between a parent and slash or a guardian. Uh, And so when I say that, I don't mean race. Just because a kid looks different than their parent, that's not an indicator. Um, When I say a non-genuine relationship, I'm talking about the behavior. Does the behavior of that parent and child look like the parent cares for the child? uh, Or does it look like they're just trying to get them from point A to point B across the airport? Does the child have to ask for small things like a, like a snack and, and it's a, it becomes an inconvenience for the trafficker? Um, these are things that people can be on the lookout for. And um, I'm not gonna go into a huge bunch of details, but one thing that I like to say to aviation employees and the public is you have your gut feeling, use that gut feeling. Uh, if something doesn't feel right, you can call the DHS tip line. Uh, if you know a victim, you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Uh, And like Deborah said, there's no penalty for reporting something that doesn't turn out to be human trafficking. Uh, We'd much rather have you report it and it turn out to be nothing than not to report it and potentially have a missed opportunity like the one I talked about before. Last thing I'll say here that I, what I say every time I talk about indicators is that each indicator doesn't necessarily mean that there's proof that human trafficking is occurring. Uh, However, when you look at a couple of these and you use that gut feeling that I talked about, Um, it definitely is a reason to report what you saw.
1: Absolutely. Well, we have actually seen or heard through flight attendants situations that you described, totally, all different situations. Initially with uh, American Airlines, they were seeing, this was 2009 and ten. they were seeing flight attendants on their planes girls coming from Moscow, like three times a week, some of them thought they were on a plane that was going to New York. And the flight attendant said, no, this plane is going to Chicago. And she said, well, I know that I'm supposed to be in New York. And the flight attendant said, well, how are you going to get there? And the other girl whispered to her, oh, we're taking a bus. So those kind of red flags. So it was reported and I reported it directly to DHS. And they put ICE agents on the planes. And because we wanted, they wanted to figure out who was putting the planes on. And they figured out also, if they're putting them on to fly into Chicago, they're pl- probably putting them on to go to other cities too. But, and these girls had one-way tickets. And another time I personally saw a little boy who was about five getting on a plane with someone who didn't say that he was a family member. He was just a friend, but he would not talk to me. And uh, I was trying to make eye contact with the little boy as we were boarding just to say anything to get a response. And this plane was going to Florida. So I looked at him, probably should not have done this, but I wanted, I know, I knew exactly how the flight attendants felt when I saw this situation. Because you want to make certain that your feet, you know, what you're seeing is not correct. So I finally made contact with the little boy because this is another thing that, traffickers will do. They will block the person in the, on the planes or in the airports from trying to talk to anyone else. They don't want their victims talking. So this is exactly what this guy who looked very harmless uh, was doing. And finally, I could make eye contact with him. So to say anything to the little boy, who was really so cute, And he was looking around like he'd never been on a plane, which was something else uh, strange, but he, uh, not that he hadn't been on a plane, it was only five, but he had nothing with him. No backpack, no juice box, no anything. And he was just looking around at everything. So finally I could get his eyes and I looked at him and I said, well, you're going to Florida. You get to go to Disney World? And the little boy looks at me and said, I'm going to North Carolina. And I went, you're going to North Carolina. And I thought the gate agent was behind me, but he wasn't. So, and I did try to, at that point, do what you're not supposed to do. Confront the man who did not look like he was harmful. uh, And just say, so are you, are you a cousin or a guardian or something? It was just being very friendly. The man never looks at me. He whispers down at the little boy and little boy answers, he's my friend. And I said, that's nice. And then the man whispers to him again, never looking at me. He He said, my dad's coming in a truck. I went, oh good. So immediately knew that this was not right. This was 2009. Fortunately, I met with Homeland Security and reported to them. But it was—I was so relieved to know the plane was met, and it—you know—all I know is that they did separate the man from the little boy. So they—they they knew it was. It was not right. So, but there are countless situations and we've seen them all. We've heard them all from flight attendants. Someone actually wants to make a movie of all these stories which I think could be an absolutely great movie and could be a a tremendous awareness tool for DHS and for Blue Lightning because you can't make this stuff up. This really is happening. There's so many stories. And we have several on previous podcasts from Nancy Rivard from Airline Ambassadors and uh, Sandra Ferrarini from American Airlines and myself and things that we've heard from flight attendants. I mean, it's enough for two volumes of a book. So it's just so great to know that there's an absolute source that we can report with the DHS tip line in case we see something that's not correct and it needs to be reported. You could be saving a life. So we want everyone to realize that.
2: And uh, I'd like to just add on to that and talk a little bit about DHS and some of the new things that we've been doing yes. uh, recently. <clears throat> so. A little over a year ago, a lot of people don't know this, but DHS launched the Center for Countering Human Trafficking. Uh, This is the first center within DHS that has a consolidated effort to align all of our operational components in our efforts to combat human trafficking. So Blue Campaign, BLI, we focus on public awareness and training. Uh, But like you had said, we also have ICE Homeland Security investigators who will go out and do the investigations they may do surveillance, they'll, they'll assist the victims, you have victim assistance specialists. And so the DHS Center for Counter-Human Trafficking or CCHT uh, is one of the most important elements of DHS because they consolidate those efforts, it's not just sex trafficking, it's also uh, forced labor. Uh, I do have some statistics too to share. In fiscal year 21 alone, uh, HSI investigated over 1,000 cases, arrested over 2,000 traffickers, Um, And their victim assistant specialist uh, identified and assisted over 700 victims, uh, which is something we're very proud of. Uh, Not only that, but we also have a very robust uh, unit that deals with child exploitation, uh, which often leads to human trafficking, unfortunately. Uh, And so right now, the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security is actually in Paris with the Attorney General, uh, and he's highlighting the efforts that we do to protect children from predators. Um, It's unfortunate that we have to do this, but we we really do. It's it's a huge problem. Uh, So we have a fact sheet on how uh, DHS combats child exploitation and abuse. And um, again, I could probably talk for hours on all the great work that we do, but I do want to just highlight the uh, Cybercrime Center, or C3. Um, And what a lot of traffickers are doing is they're targeting our, our children online. Uh, not only on the traditional online platforms that you would think of, like social media, Instagram, Facebook, etc. They're also targeting children on non-traditional platforms like video games, uh, YouTube streaming platforms, anywhere where there's a communication platform, traffickers are looking to exploit uh, victims. Uh, And so one of the initiatives that DHS has that I'm very proud to talk about is called Angel Watch Center. And so Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but the Angel Watch Center notifies foreign governments when convicted sex offenders are traveling to countries outside the U.S., Uh, and then that foreign country can make a determination on whether they want to let the person in or not. Uh, In fiscal year 21 alone, we issued 1,700 notifications regarding international uh, child sex offender travelers, uh, and it resulted in over 600 denials uh, by foreign countries. And so that's just one of the examples of what we do. Um, But the other thing I want to say that we're also very proud about is everything that CCHT, that DHS, that Blue Lightning does, we employ what's called a victim-centered and trauma-informed approach to combating human trafficking. So uh, for BLI, that means engaging survivors uh, when we develop our training, making sure the scenarios, the videos that we're showing are realistic to what's actually going on. Uh, and for Homeland Security, it means placing equal value on the uh, stabilization and support of victims as they do on the investigation of the trafficker. Uh, we're not going to employ those same tactics in investigations where if you're a victim, you have to cooperate with us or else we're not going to help you. That's just not that's an old fashioned way of, of doing cases. And it's not it doesn't work. Um, the, the main priority is making sure that victims get help and get out of their situation and then if they're comfortable, we also wanna hold the trafficker accountable. Um, everything that we can do to combat human trafficking, we're gonna do it.
1: Excellent, Michael. That is so amazing. And it's also very reassuring. And I can tell you that for DHS to be helping with keeping children safe online, that's so important. Absolutely. And what you might wanna know is that Uh, a previous Homeland Security officer at HSI, Tim Ballard, who started Operation Underground Railroad. Formerly, he was an HSI investigator at Homeland Security. So he has all this training. And when they started uh, Operation Underground Railroad, they have former DHS, officials and HSI executives working with them. So apparently this earlier this week, there was a tremendous, a huge takedown of an international pedophile who was from the Netherlands and he was hanging out because he thought he was safe in Mexico. But an organization from the Netherlands, Free the Girl, contacted Operation Underground Railroad can you help us? So OUR did this investigation. This man from the Netherlands in Mexico found him, located him, created a setup, and then they brought in an amazing laboratory, a laboratory uh, retriever who had been trained to smell out substances. So he was able to detect where his uh, all of his equipment was so they could find out that he was doing trafficking children online working working very easily for Mexico, but it was the Mexican authorities that arrested him and I'm sure he's going to jail for a very long time. so it's a great success and it's really a, it's really a congratulations to Homeland Security for the training of all the OUR executives, officials now who are working, who are heroes going around the world rescuing children. And for this, it shows how the NGOs, it's so important that we work with the, the survivor leaders and we also work with those who are going to rescue children because we can hear tips, we can work in partnership and it's very important. So. The nonprofit from the Netherlands to free the girl is also gets great uh, raves of review from us and everyone and the Labrador, the, the wonderful Labrador. <laughs> so it was a great story, but that just shows how this is all connected. And uh, it's, it's so important that I'm so glad that Homeland Security realizes that your partners are essential. And I know you do. And we're very grateful to you. Innocent at Risk and all the partners that work with you that I speak with. It's very, very grateful.
2: I mean, I'll just say that, um, you know, if it wasn't for partnerships with NGOs and non-governmental organizations, we wouldn't be able to effectively do our mission. Uh, it's not just the investigations, it's the it's getting victim support. What do you do after you recover a victim? They need housing, they need resources, they need to get their arrest record clean. So um, I thank you for the partnership. And I would agree with you that the true heroes are those electronic detection canine dogs that <laughs> are deployed all over the place. Um, uh, no, it's it's really excellent. And and I, I really appreciate the opportunity too to highlight some of the great work that DHS does. And like you said, HSI, like a lot of people don't, have never heard of it, HSI. They, maybe they only think of FBI when they think of federal law enforcement, but uh, HSI does some really great work and, and we're working hand in hand with them to, to carry out the uh, DHS mission. Uh, the last thing, if we're closing up, I'll, I'll just say that um, if anyone wants to learn more about the Blue Campaign, they can visit dhs.gov slash Blue Campaign. Uh, we ship out our materials for free of charge nationwide. Anyone can go and place an order. Uh, And then we recently launched a video uh, called the General Public Indicators Challenge. Uh, So anyone can go on our website and take this video. It's about 25 minutes long. It's free, you can download it, you can play it in front of your community members. Uh, But it's really one of the best videos that we have because it provides a very, very good overview of what human trafficking is, breaks down some of those myths. And then there's um, scenario videos at the end showing what human trafficking can look like in a hotel uh, and then in a labor trafficking scene. Uh, And so with that, I will just um, I'll just thank you again for for inviting me on.
1: Thank you, Michael. And thank you all for tuning in today. And I'm sure you learned a lot from Michael.
2: You've been
0: listening to Turning a Million Eyes to Save Lives, a podcast by Innocence at Risk to prevent children and women from falling victim to human trafficking. We'll have another episode next month. If you'd like to get in touch or share your own story for this podcast, please email Sigmund at innocenceatrisk.org. That's D-S-I-G-M-U-N-D at innocenceatrisk.org. And please share this podcast, rate it, and subscribe. I'm Andy Miles, and I'd like to thank Deborah Sigmund and Michael Kamal for sharing their expertise. And I'd like to thank you for listening. The number again to report suspected human trafficking is 1-866-347-2423. That's one dhs 2 ice Before we go, I'd like to ask you to please consider making a gift to Innocence at Risk that will support our educational outreach awareness campaign to keep children safe online and everywhere else. All donations are tax-deductible, and 100% of funds go directly to Making a Difference. Your donation will help Innocence at Risk keep children safe online with educational outreach to parents and students, and to lobby members of Congress for much-needed legislation to protect children and facilitate the prosecution of traffickers. We need your help to turn a million eyes on children. To make your tax-deductible contribution to Innocence at Risk, please visit innocenceatrisk.org. Thank you. Your support is greatly appreciated.